and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have a super powerful woman, Beck Brideson. Beck has just published her first book on the subject called Blind Spots. Check it out, it's a beautiful book. Her motivator was the fact that only 3% of female creatives globally became creative directors. This didn't stop Beck, who forged a highly decorated and sought-after female Australian creative director. In her time, she has won numerous international awards, worked with big brands, and this year, Beck was awarded for her lifetime achievements with a seat on a global jury for female campaigns at Cannes Lions. While her talent and discrimination took her to the top, The continuous gender inequity and discrimination forced her to strike out on her own. With her challenging creative agency and business consulting practice, it is Beck's mission to drive a future for business around her fresh reframe of gender. With the coming of the new female economy, Beck teaches switched on businesses how to utilize and leverage a gender lens to surpass business competitors, improve product and service innovation to lift profits and growth in a stagnant economy. Gender intelligence is vital for all business from solo traders, startups, SMEs to big heritage honchos and will be an indicator for success in 2018 and onwards. It's now time to tune into this extraordinary woman who has given her life to something big. Enjoy. Today we have an amazing superwoman all the way from Melbourne, my hometown, Beck Brighton, welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I was just explaining to Beck that I have just received her book today and I was just saying how beautiful her book is, but we'll get into that a little bit uh, in down into the show. Um, but let's get, sorry, I'm so excited I can't even talk. Um, let, for our listeners, Beck, let's unpack Beck and tell us your story. Okay, so um, I have been in my professional life for around 25 years and I started off in advertising when I was 21 and I had always wanted to be in advertising ever since I'd been watching that show Bewitched with Samantha, the the witch, the white witch, and, and she was married to Darren. 
And, you know, whilst I did kind of want those superpowers um, that Samantha had to be able to materialise anything, it was really Darren's job that I loved the whole working in, in an agency and coming up with ideas to sell things. So I knew pretty much all of my school life and university that I wanted to go into advertising and be a creative. And um, I spent 10 years working for other people um, in eight big agencies, working on big brands. And then at a certain point, I hit the glass ceiling so hard, I thought, you know, I'm going to get brain damage if I hang around here. So I started my own agency in 2004 and uh, I still have that agency. It specialises in understanding the female consumer, which is is a um, – I was the first one in Australia to start an agency like that and it's a pretty rare discipline to have. Um, and in the last couple of years I've started consulting and sharing the – um, IP intellectual property that I've developed and that's why I've written a book and now I work with um, clients directly on helping them uh, leverage the relationship with females as um, not only workforce talent but also as consumers who have loads of dollars to spend money on clients brands. Mm, I love that. So before we go to the book um for our listeners, would you like to talk a little bit about what is a glass ceiling? Um, well, for me, in the advertising industry, if anyone has watched Mad Men, it's, you know, a pretty good framework for, for what it's like. Um, and if you've watched the Gruen Transfer in uh, Australia on the ABC, you know, there are three male anchors and occasionally they let women in to talk. That's kind of the industry for uh, the creative area that I was in, there were only 3% of females represented at the top. Um, and so I am one of the 3% of women within advertising to become a creative director. And it was always a very masculine um, energy and a, and a masculine dynamic. And I found myself you know, becoming, to, in order to fit in, becoming um, and adopting their behaviours but never feeling like it was right for me and always thinking, you know, I know women are making their spending decisions here and yet men are telling women why they should be buying things. And that was my glass ceiling was um, there's, there's a business opportunity here and uh, when I tried to share my thinking from a female lens perspective it was met with a great deal of resistance and what are you talking about and that's not the way we do it and this is the way we've always done it so it was really a, a case for me like conform and keep doing things the way they were always done or put my money where my mouth is and go and start my own mm, so you basically so the glass um ceiling was like a boundaries or some sort of conditioned environment where you broke through that uh and then started doing your own thing yeah that's amazing. So on that, let's go into the book now. Talk us through the book, this beautiful book called Blind Spots. Yes, yeah, so that is, um, I guess it's my learnings of uh, 24 years at the time, 24 years of working within marketing, advertising, communications, and knowing that the, um, the world that we have received is very much um, 
uh, I'm going to use the terms a lot, male lensed. And that's to say that, you know, a couple of centuries ago when commerce and business was being invented, it was through that male perspective because women were caring for families in the home and men were out doing the business. And even as we've progressed through um, modern society, you know, I, I actually just read the other day that women still needed their husbands to co-sign for a credit card up until 1974. Mm. You know, financially, women were very much at the behest of their husbands. Um, and, and so as more women entered the workforce through the 70s and the 80s and as Equal Opportunity Act came in, and as women have become independent, as birth control gave us the opportunity to choose when children, when career, I noticed that, um, you know, there really is this big blind spot around the way we're communicating with women, around the way we're providing solutions to them, that brands aren't necessarily seeing the demands of modern women because they're using an old toolkit that was developed by men for men uh, and not with the needs of modern women in mind. So the book looks to sort of track that history to develop the argument for why it's time to have a new lens and then to provide solutions as to what it looks like when you look at um, business through that female lens perspective in order to create lasting relationships with female customers. And, um, you know, females are responsible for most of the purchasing decisions in the home and an Ernst & Young figure on that, just to give you an idea of how big it is, um, that within the next 10 years women will be responsible for 75% of household discretionary spending and wow. a figure on that is uh, $28 trillion global consumer economy and the global consumer economy is predicted to be around $35 trillion. So just when you look at how financially powerful women are, in terms of that purchasing decision, we really are the ones making those those decisions, whether they're big about which house you're going to live in or, you know, the furnishings or whether it's which kind of tomato sauce you're buying. Women are the ones who are, who are in charge of all of that, the CEO of the home. Mm. So I love that, the CEO of the home. So, Beck, what were, what were some of those blind spots that you uh, discovered? Well, there's a lot of myths around... Um, the way we think uh, we're getting it right. And one of those, and I hear it all the time, is, but I've got women in my marketing department. So, you know, we're okay because the the women are in here and, and they're surely they get it. And and sometimes they do, but sometimes women are either butting up against the glass ceiling internally, like maybe they've got a very male lens business, maybe they've got um, a, you know, unequal sort of gender split throughout the organisation, particularly in those higher level jobs, uh, or maybe they are um, be because sc the school curriculums, the university curriculums, the way marketing was written and created was through the male lens. Like the experience that I had working in an agency, I adopted the tools that I was given, but this is an opportunity to find a whole new toolkit that better resonates and suits the needs of modern women. So that's one of the myths is I've got women, I must be doing it okay. Mm. Another myth is um, that I uh, we've got HR, they're covering this. Isn't it about having as many men as women? 
Mm. And again, I say not necessarily because we're not empowering men to see through the female lens or women. Uh, there's um, my budget's not big enough for this and to that I say, well, we're not trying to say, you know, find a whole new budget to talk to women. We're saying just understand how to split the budget proportionately to attract the women that you want to. Mm. Um, and uh, a lot of people sort of get caught up in the whole, okay, we'll create something for women, which means making it a little bit pinker and a little bit smaller and thinking that'll be it. And, of course, that's, you know, we call it um, shrink and pink it. And that doesn't necessarily address the needs of women. It's just making a watered-down version of the men's. I love that shrink and pink it. That's awesome. So during your journey, obviously starting your own business, uh, what were some of those, because uh, you were talking about breaking um, the glass ceiling, what were some of those things that you had to do to push through the ceiling? What were some of those things? Well, I guess ultimately I had to leave an industry that I loved and had spent 10 years working really hard in, you know, and and I pretty much spent my 20s and early 30s working at least six days a week. I did ridiculous hours, you know, I hadn't travelled, I'd neglected my, you know, my personal life and didn't have any decent relationship and um, and so I thought, do I keep do I keep living this life, which is not authentic to what I really want and believe there is, or do I go out and start my own? And that I guess that was the glass ceiling that I broke through was uh, I'm going to back myself because it's actually untenable to stay here. And and I guess you know there are a lot of Weinstein characters in advertising, and I I I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Couldn't. I couldn't be treated like that. I was in my 30s. I was looking for more. Hello, Beck. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, oh sorry. I thought you uh, just cut out then. Um, so when you were saying, because um, uh, it does, when you were talking about backing yourself, and this is one of the things that I hear quite often, um, backing yourself takes a lot of courage. And what I find is, I see, and as we were having a chat before we got on the show, uh, working with a lot of women in leadership, I find that when opportunities present, they don't jump at the ta- at the chance. They kind of sit there and, and you know, this, they go through this whole conversation, uh, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Am I smart enough? And by the time they decide to make a move, it's too late. Somebody's already taken that that position. So when you're talking about backing yourself, what would be some of the tricks you used to back yourself? Uh, look, it was such a difficult time. It, it really was because, I, like I said, I turned my back on an industry I loved but I felt that I couldn't go forward with it. So I was I was actually quite um, – I was going through quite a lot of change emotionally because I felt really lost and I, I guess that there was a deep part of me that knew that I just had to make it work. Um, I'd, I moved out of my apartment. I moved in with my parents and I was 32. And so I was lucky I had that opportunity. But, gosh, it was difficult, you know, just going back in and being under mm. a, a parent's roof and thinking, is this sacrifice going to pay off? Like, what the hell am I doing here? Um, and so I, I guess I had my parents supporting me in very practical ways. but 
Uh, there were times when I didn't have self-belief, when I was just like, you know what, if I don't keep going, I will never know. And it was really determination to give it everything so that if I did fail, I knew I would have no regrets. Mm -hmm. And I would say I was definitely working seven days a week then and um, throwing everything I had at it. So, you know, and and it was without self-belief so many times. But it's just like if I just keep going, uh, something will happen, something yeah. will get. So I guess there was a fair bit of resilience to um, to the initial stages of rejection. But, you know, about four or five months in and, and you know, I made some silly mistakes and got some bad partners in and, and all, of, all of the usual sort of startup journeys. But um, I think it was the persistence and the desire to give it everything that I could possibly throw at it um, until it worked. Mm. And what were some of those greatest lessons for you? Because, I mean, every time, I mean, we've all gone through this. We've either had the wrong partner, wrong employee, wrong situation, but we always learn from those situations. So what has been some of your greatest lessons? Um, I think there was knowing that because I'd made a wrong turn didn't mean it was the end and knowing that the days would pass I felt the regret and I beat myself up and I was, you know, so angry about some of the decisions I'd made. But sort of th putting that aside and throwing myself back in the day-to-day -day operations so that I focused on the end game, not the mistakes I was making um, mm. in the short term. And, and then... Uh, I guess things started to fall into place, um, but I always remembered the lessons. So I'd start to, I think in Malcolm Gladwell's book called Blink, he talks about the fireman who feels the um, the heat of the roof underneath and knows if if that floor will cave in um, and and retreats if he thinks, you know, he's about to endanger himself. And I, 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 I would feel that I'd sort of intuit, oh, this feels like that time and I'm going to be really careful with the way I'm um, walking into this. I'm not going to rush into anything. I'm going to be very cautious. I'm, and, and I'm quite a heart-driven person, so it was realising that there were definitely times to be in my intellect and to um, be very considerate and not jump at too many things that seem to be good at um, at first but would have a long-term consequence. Mm, I like that and it sounds that you're very uh, perceptive about your environment which is really important. I think self-awareness and awareness of your environment is really key to helping you like tap into that intuition and because um, sometimes you're right, you know, sometimes our minds mind over matter or your heart gets in the way but to tap into that gut feeling or this doesn't feel right and actually move forward with that, I think we don't use that enough. Yeah, and look, I, it's not to say that I'm, I don't fall, um, I don't fall, to that mistake over and over again because I do and but you know every every mistake you make is just another opportunity to get up and learn and and keep going oh you know? I'm I'm a classic at that one I get I don't know how many times I have to get hit over the head with a frying pan before I go okay I get it now yes this is what I've got to stop doing and this is what I've got to start doing yeah, and and you know how many times does the universe have to serve that up before you're really ready to to take the the learning? So, um, I, you know, I guess also knowing now that I've run my own business for 
since 2004, so 13 years, I, I go, everything has a rhythm and sometimes I have a really good time and I think, well, you know, this is going to end soon so I'm just going to really enjoy this while it's here. And then sometimes there are really bad times. It's like, oh, when is this one going to end because it's been going for so long. And I think people think success looks like, you know, one straight line from the from the bottom of the graph to the top of it. And it's not, it's like a really jagged line. Sometimes there are big highs and then sometimes there are big lows and then a little high and a little low. And it just, there's no, um, there's no one perfect trajectory of success. It's always setbacks and failures and keep on going. So, And that's life. I think, you know, and I, I personally, when I go through that, yes, you go, it's a rhythm and you go through your highs and lows. That's with business, that's with life. And I think that as long as we embrace that, when we have got the highs, maybe prepare yourself for the lows. It's like the pendulum swinging back and forth. You know, there's, you know, you might have an abundance of work. You know, I always say, enjoy it while it lasts. And then you might in quiet times. So my quiet times, I go, okay, I might do some writing or, so I'm always making myself useful depending on which way I'm swinging so when I I make it sure that I make it abundant regardless of what I'm not bringing in or bringing in yeah I I agree that's absolutely that's great advice Mm. so Beck the other thing that we love to do is ask our woman of of inspiration about pain points because we believe everyone has pain points personal pain points business pain points so what would be some of your biggest pain points in business or life that you stumble across and how did you get uh, through them over them like what kind of solutions did you apply um I think I've had pain points with um not uh, with feeling powerless and this you know it goes back to some childhood stuff where I was overpowered by um and an adult uh, an uncle and and so I learned I was sort of conditioned to not speak up and then as I got older and was was in the those creative departments where it was very male dominated I kind of I started to challenge things not because I was brash and confident, but because morally I thought, you know, this is this doesn't sit right with me or, you know, my business hat on, I have a strong belief and I know this is the right direction to take from a, um, from a strategic perspective. Uh, but I have been silenced or I felt silenced a lot in my life. So uh, it's almost like here I am talking about gender and there's a lot of men who don't want to hear about it and they don't mm. want to hear about uh, how strong the female economy is. And sometimes that sets me back and I feel hopeless and I think, you know, is this message ever going to get through to the right ears? And I feel like giving up. And sometimes I sit with that discomfort knowing, well, there'll be a breakthrough. I'll feel like I just need to sit in a corner and feel like, you know, I've got, I'm powerless and I've got no voice and I, I can't say anything. And then, this survival instinct kicks in again I think no I'm gonna I really believe in what I'm doing I really believe in my voice and I'm going to continue to push myself out of this discomfort and continue to use my voice 
Mm, and that's how you tap into the power. See, from I mean, I always look at dichotomy, you know, one end of the scale, if you're sitting in that corner, you're being powerless, and then there's something that pushes you out of that, uh, that internal voice that's moving you across to being powerful, hence why you do what you do today. And do you know what? I think in business, you can't please everybody, and I think what you're doing is quite unique. You've got to always remember that. So when there's something that's quite unique and a little bit different, uh, it maybe takes a little bit of time before people warm to it or maybe get a bit of a, an understanding. Absolutely. And that, you know, that's the thing with being a pioneer. And sometimes I think, why did I choose this? Like, why didn't I just choose something really easy that everyone gets? Like, we all, we're all we all in a society that needs, you know, a, a better feedback process or how to, you know, do great online marketing because that's a skill that you can teach. But what I'm talking about has such nuances and it has the gender word involved in it. And so that sort of gets everyone's defences up and people get confused. Am I a feminist talking about feminist ideals? Um, and, and yes, I'm a feminist, but what I'm talking about is is the way of thinking about business that actually creates growth and profitability. And that's the sticking point. A lot of people just don't hear that that is my message because they're so caught up in I'm separating male and female and saying there's a better way to talk to females. Mm, See how I see it because, I mean, I do a little bit of neuromarketing and you're actually speaking to the your target market is women if you are a business or an agency so you're putting yourself in their shoes being able to speak their language to i guess the the SMEs or the businesses so that they can tap into their markets i think that you're the one that has the voice for uh those avatars if that makes sense yes yeah. and and it's um you know it's also tapping into the needs because i don't think you know, there's lots and lots of research that's being done everywhere all over the place about what do customers want, but it's not necessarily being looked at as what do women need and want. Mm. We're sort of repeating the past, what the past of how we've done it before. And, you know, Dove is a great example of a business that said we're going to throw out everything we know about women and beauty and we're going to start from scratch, you know, and and create a new pro- research process. And they got academics on the journey and they found from the way they conducted their research that only 2% of women thought they were beautiful. And so they went, actually, what we have here is like an in, an industry-wide problem. It's not that there's a problem with women. It's that there's a problem with the way our industry talks about beauty. Mm. And that was their breakthrough and why they've done such fantastic work that they have in the past. I think they've, they've lost their way a little recently. But really looking at things through a fresh female lens and saying what is the opportunity to to better connect what is the opportunity to better design a product that suits women Mm. so true because I mean and I did a workshop just recently uh, with a whole group of women and it was very much about I always say you know like I love to check in with them and and really find out how much and how often they're nurturing themselves and it'd be a simple question like what what kind of uh, kind words do you use uh, on a daily basis or what are those things that you do to uh, for yourself uh, you know and and quite often um, when I run these uh, women's workshops women actually leave themselves out of the picture altogether they're all about being of service and um, and it's all about you know and they were when as we were going through some of this content it was all about oh I want my husband to sit through this and I want my boyfriend to sit through this but it's like hang on a minute you're here for you. And so it's, it's, it's for them to be of service for themselves. They find it really hard 
to actually um, know what they want for themselves. And yes. I think that people don't quite even tap into their pain points. And that's, that is, it's almost how we've been programmed as a society. And, and that's why I will, in the book, I cover things like, you know, you look at the, the, the little symbols on the pedestrian crossing. Our default setting is man. And so is it any wonder we forget to acknowledge ourselves because we're so busy, you know, having the default setting of man and how do we serve and, you know, putting needs ahead of our own that when you actually go, yeah, well, I, I've grown up this way. This is how I was taught to see things. Mm-hmm. So to unsee them and to be able to put a new filter on them, I think is such an important skill to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're right, it doesn't matter. I remember there was a lady um, who, and I can't remember who uh, it was, but she took a photo, she was at Qantas Lounge and she took a photo and she was making a point that there wasn't any women at the Qantas Lounge. And boy, did she get smashed on social media for that. So, you know, I actually really felt for her, but I think that you're going to get that. You know, there's, there is there is that gender diversity conversations that go on. I think people are just tired of hearing it um and i think it's more so like one day i read it somewhere that one day they'll just be leaders it won't be women or men it'll just be leaders yeah i i really look forward to that day when you know even if it swings the opposite way um it, it's kind of our turn for women to have a bit more um voice and a bit more perspective you know yeah. or or opportunity to actually put perspective on the way we are creating society. Um, so, yeah, I agree. And in some cultures, in some religion, the women are the leaders. Like literally they are the ones that, um, you know, the their tribe go to to find out information. Yeah, well, we need more of that because I remember growing up, you know, at a, at a Church of England school and it was, um, you know, our, our religion was there's God and there's Jesus and there's all these male disciples and, you know, the, the headmasters and all the school books that we read were all really, you know, stories of men who were doing heroic things. Mm. And I remember a, a, an absolute lack of role models and you know there was no see it be it because it just wasn't there not that I questioned it back then it was just like so this is the way it is um but I now know that reflecting on on those experiences uh, I'm like right that's why when I was one of three percent of females in in my role I was like it's actually really lonely here without other people to provide that support and that backing and you know I, I Darren from Bewitched was my role model it wasn't even Samantha because she was the good wife at home Mm. so um, you know the the more we see these role models coming into these positions the the better it's going to be for our generations both male and female. Mm, So true so Beck I'm curious what do you think is one of the reasons that most individuals fail to succeed in business? Um I think it's going to be an, a, a combination of all sorts of things and, and it'll be some personal, some professional market circumstances um, and, you know, it, it could be as simple as uh, financial um, insecurity or instability. Um, so if I'm going to give advice on why they fail, I guess it is um, that, you know, having all of those parts working in the right in the right way at the right time to help go through those challenging times you know 
the cash when the cash flow is not there, uh, when you're when you're feeling you know soul destroyed because you're not getting where you thought you would be, you know. Um, I think all of those things need to be sort of lining up perfectly. You know, the stars need to be aligning for you, and sometimes that is completely out of your control. The market can crash. Mm. The uh, supplier can let you down. So. So when you're actually working with businesses, because I'm, I'm actually asking this question for our listeners because I'm sure they're curious. So you would work with organisations that have uh, their, I guess, their target market are women and then you would work on um, how to influence their brand uh, to that particular target market. Is that correct? Yeah, so I start off with doing um, a bit of an audit because I think, you know, it's, we really need to qualify this in terms of numbers. So the first thing to look at is, you know, who are who is your audience? Are they male or female? And what um, what is your market share? If, you know, let's say it, it, you're selling cars and you're, you, you only have 20% penetration with females, yet females are your audience, you'd be having to go, right, so what is stopping us from getting market domination? And so I then look internally at what's, what are the machinations internally, what gender is your business? Is it really stacked in, fa- in favour of an old traditional male lens or are women being empowered to be heard and listened to and recognised? Because that sort of that's the first um, hurdle that needs to be overcome is what lens is the business using, and what opportunity are they missing out on? And I find if you then present those facts to the board or to the to the CEO, then they can actually go right. So by changing a perspective or a lens or a, or, a, or a methodology, we could potentially be opening ourselves up to so much more market share. And that's worth so much money. So, yeah, what do we have to lose? Mm, love it. Absolutely love it. So the other thing that we ask our woman of inspiration as we wrap up the show is we always ask um, if you had to pick one word that best describes your personal brand, what would be that one word for you? Uh, bridge builder. Oh, I like that. Bridge builder. Yeah. I like that. As you said that, I got a picture of Gandalf. Don't ask me why, but I did. Fantastic. It was, it's very, it was quite magical. And the other thing that we ask uh, our woman of inspiration, Beck, is to uh, share three shiny golden nuggets with our listeners. So like three practical exercises that you would like or tips or tricks that you would like to leave for our listeners today. Okay. Um, so let, let's start with if you see a gap in a market um, and you build it, then they will come. You know, so and, and I guess specifically if you see something that um, is not being catered to from a female perspective, invest in it, believe in it and start to build your community. Uh, the second one would be what needs to change in your world and how do you redesign that to make it? You know, how do you imagine it? What does it look like? And then how do you manifest that? And I guess going back to the question that you asked earlier about pain points, um, having resilience, having self-belief, knowing that you're going to ride out some difficult times on your journey and surrounding yourself with like-minded people uh, to help you weather some of those storms 
Yeah. Because, you know, it's starting a business and changing the way the world operates currently can take time. Mm. So when you are going through those tough times, and we've all been there, uh, how do you shift your mindset so that you are actually solution-focused rather than being stuck in the problem? Uh, sometimes I go and sound it out with a coach. Um, sometimes I listen to people that inspire me. I, I, I told you before that I'm a podcast junkie, so I'll, I'll get on a track of listening to, you know, I'll put in Danielle Laporte's name and I'll digest every podcast that I can and I'll read her books and I, um, you know, I, I go to places where I feel I'm going to find inspiration that shifts my mood. Mm. And sometimes, you know, if I'm stuck, then I, I realise, okay, I need... I need to give myself a bit more time, you know, out of this frustration, out of this tension, it's going to pass and the solution is going to appear. And it's almost like the longer I'm stuck in that place, the bigger the breakthrough. Mm. But sometimes, you know, sometimes, and I'm, I'm talking four weeks, five weeks, eight weeks, sometimes it can be excruciating waiting for that breakthrough. And I get tired and I get, you know, really worn down and think, what am I doing this for? But the breakthrough comes. So when you're talking about breakthrough, so for, for I'm just trying to, as I think we spoke about this before, I'm a bit visual person and so are you. So from a visual perspective, if things are not working, you actually flesh it out with your coach or even a mentor. And um, do you then seek on how can you do it differently or are you in that mindset where you sit with it and is what can I learn from it? Um, I, I think it's a bit of both. It's because both uh, both scenarios have played out for me. Sometimes I'm like I need to become stimulated, I need to see other things, I need to immerse myself in the way other people have solved similar problems and it starts to manifest. It doesn't magically appear. Other times uh, I really need to talk it through, like with a coach. I need to um, bounce off other people who can challenge me and and de- design solutions with me, you know, come up with ideas and, um, you know, sometimes I'm really in that extroverted thinking mode and and that's, I guess, how, you know, the whiteboard session, the day of going, all right, can't clear the diary because we're going to just work on different solutions and sometimes those days don't amount to anything but it's the week later when you go right those conversations are making sense because it's starting to you know the solution is starting to materialize somewhere in this space Mm, i love it absolutely love it so big for our listeners where's the best place to find you well, uh, I have a website, beckbrideson.com, and that's my Twitter handle and my Facebook. And, um, yeah, beckbrideson.com, or you, the book is available on Amazon, Booktopia, Demix. Um, it's available at airports in the business section next to Richard Branson's book because Brideson is my surname. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's where you can find me. Thank you. And I highly recommend you uh, go and check out her book. It's absolutely beautiful, Inside Out. And, Beck, thank you so much for your time, your energy, and sharing your wealth of wisdom with us. Um, Can't wait to get into this book. And I wish you the best of luck with this book. It's beautiful. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on the show.
that brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care.